two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rami Ari Kivan. Great to be with you here once again. And indeed, as you just heard, the last commercial from Nussbaum's, well, the festivals are here. They're upon us. And the wait is over. We are literally getting ready for Rosh Hashanah as it's about to happen this Sunday evening. So seize the opportunity, the remaining few days of 5778, and see what you can do during this remaining time to maximize, to make the best of the past year. And with that in mind, I hope you've been hearing the sound of the shofar before Rosh Hashanah. Tomorrow is your last opportunity to do so. And people wonder, what is the significance of the shofar? And I'm sure, tuned into Chai FM, no doubt you heard many significances, many of its important messages. In fact, if you, if you look around at Jewish symbols, or perhaps a, a recognized Jewish logo, it's something that goes back to long, long ago. And in fact, I was reading that when, in 1354, when the Bohemian king, he ordered the flag of Prague Jewry should be a Star of David against a red background. The Nazis, Yimach Shemam Vezichram, obviously adapted that idea. But uh, throughout history, there were times when Jews were forced to wear the Star of David as a Jewish symbol. But there are many, many different centuries and uh, many different symbols. And over the centuries, Jews and Judaism have been identified by a parade, a variety of diverse symbols. You look around, you hear a quick Google search, you see a menorah, you see a high symbol, you see a Star of David, you see the Hamsa, you see the yarmulke, you see a bird, you see a menorah, a dreidel, a, a gragger, a Torah, a becher, the Ten Commandments, the tablets. In fact, wouldn't this be a cool idea? Why don't you... If you want to just get a little interactive here, it'd be nice to hear from you what you consider a Jewish symbol. What is your favorite Jewish symbol? Don't hesitate. Send us a WhatsApp to 061-895-1019 or you know our SMS number 34519. And let's hear your favorite Jewish symbol. What is it? We were talking before about, the. oh, somebody says, a hook-nosed moneylender. Hope you're not being serious. Gee, I hope we get some better ones than that. But no, I, I don't mean to put that down. Maybe you were speaking facetiously. Maybe you're referring to how anti-Semites have portrayed us. And it's interesting. I will take that on for a second since somebody offered that as an idea. The Jews and money lending. You know, it's thanks to anti-Semitism that we Jews have become the leaders in world banking. And in fact, do you know that international banking was a brainchild of the Rothschild family. The Rothschilds are the first ones to introduce international banking. I'm talking about over two centuries ago. But when Mayor Anshel Rothschild, the patriarch of the Rothschild family, and some other time if you'd like, I could share the story about how he made his wealth. Some fascinating stories that I read as a kid about the lineage, the prestigious family of the Rothschilds. But Mayor Anshel wanted his five children to continue his bank, which was based in Germany, and he sent his children to Paris, to London, to other countries. They were the first ones to open an international bank. Before that, it didn't exist. 
But Jews were forced into industries that they weren't welcome into some of the mainstream industries. Money lending was something that all needed and Jews were able to provide. And that's how from an anti-Semitic discrimination against Jews, we Jews have become successful in the banking industry. So what I would like to say to whoever anonymously sent that message about the hook-nosed moneylender is that indeed, unfortunately, there there are two perspectives how we could see ourselves. We could see ourselves from the anti-Semites perspective, oh, you moneylenders, you hook-nosed, or whatever other perspectives, or when we wear that star, or we could wear the star with pride. We could say, we are proud of this identity as Jewish people. We could be proud that look what we've become and not to see it in a derogatory negative way, but rather to realize this is a privilege that we Jews have and to see things in that sense. But indeed, there are very many, many, very many Jewish symbols that date back to who knows when. And perhaps one of those that goes back to time immemorial would be the shofar. Now, think about the shofar significance from being blown at the Western Wall to sitting on the shelf of countless Jewish living rooms by people who can't even figure out how to blow the shofar, which end, how to get the sound out of it. The shofar has been that symbol that is a time-honored treasure of Jewish people. Every year for the entire month of Elul, we blow the shofar, and then 100 blasts on each of the two days of Rosh Hashanah. One wonders, what is its significance? What's it all about? Why do we do this? And that's something I'd love to talk a little bit about, because this is something that I think we could all you know, wonder about its symbolism, and of course the message and the relevance to us. Now, the in the Talmud or other sources, I've seen at least 10 reasons of why the shofar is blown. And no doubt, if you tuned into Chai FM this week, some of the rabbis elucidated on that and perhaps elaborated the reasons behind blowing the shofar. Today I want to talk about two specific reasons that come to my mind and perhaps to dwell, to delve into them and to get some ideas, some insights that will inspire us for this Rosh Hashanah. So let's look at some of those ideas. Obviously, the shofar is specific to Rosh Hashanah. It's not something we use on other festivals, just like each festival might have its own unique, particular symbolism, like Sukkot has the Lulav and Etrog, and of course, as its name indicates, the Sukkah. And Hanukkah, you'll have the Latkes and the Dreidel and the Menorah. And then, of course, uh, Purim, it's got the Grager and the Megillah and the Shalachmanis. And Pesach, you got the Matzah and the Four Cups of Wine and the Haggadah. Well, the Shofar is uniquely a Rosh Hashanah or high holiday season. According to Jewish tradition, these symbols of the festivals of the holidays aren't just an association, a symbol. They're not just a visual cue that, oh, the holiday's coming up, let's dress up. Rather, each festival's symbol embodies an important message on the meaning of that particular holiday. So, if we look at Rosh Hashanah, 
you might look at a variety of symbols. You got the apples dipped in honey. You have the machzor prayer books, the fish heads, and uh, there are some sweet options available. I saw at Kosher World they had a sweet, like a marshmallow kind of fish head. I mean, as kids, we used to get these jellyfish. Of course, there are many who have lots of different symbols, simanim, that they use at their Rosh Hashanah Seder table. I don't know if I've ever heard the term Seder table used for a Rosh Hashanah dinner, but for lack of a better term at the moment. So people have got the apples you dipped in honey. You have the pomegranates, which of course symbolizes all the different seeds inside it, showing how many mitzvahs, good deeds, even the simplest Jew has. Or carrots. A lot of people have tzimus. I was looking at my family WhatsApp group earlier today and a discussion. What was mommy's tzimus recipe, which included in it marach biner, those, the, the marrow bones, which added, of course, a delicious succulent flavor to the, to, what do you call this? The, oh, the tzimus. And uh, of course, people wonder what is the significance of tzimus and Rosh Hashanah. I feel like I'm making a tzimus right now, mixing a whole lot of ideas together. But we know that the Yiddish word for carrots is merin, which also, if you want to play a little pun, means to multiply, means more. And therefore, it's a pun, which is referring to our desire for more merits, for more privilege, for more mitzvahs, and of course, for whatever good deeds we could do in the coming year. Others use leeks, and there's actually a blessing for all of these. I saw the academies giving out a card with all the blessings and the symbolisms of each thing. The Aramaic word for leek is karti, which in Hebrew, the word karet means to be cut off. So again, you got a pun, which is saying to cut away those who hate us or the negativity in our lives. And of course, this is a, a very important thing. Sometimes we have laziness and other negative character traits that we want to cut off from ourselves. Well, we got to work on our own personal character refinement if we want that to happen. Can't just click the delete button. But of course, being aware of it is already half the cure. And that's why many people have a tradition to say a special little prayer that Hashem should cut away our own and our enemies, our, our whatever things that are undesirable, whether it's our character traits that we don't want or any enemies. You know, unfortunately, our worst enemies have been within. So that's another symbolism. What symbolisms are you familiar with? Why don't you send some through here? to the studio, 34519, or WhatsApp it to 0618951019. Here's another one somebody told us that is lettuce, raisins, and celery. And they say a special prayer to God, let us have a raise in our salary. How do you like that? Okay, that's an old joke. Uh, there's some other ones that people like to have. Beets. The only thing is we don't eat chrein on Rosh Hashanah because chrein is quite sharp and bitter. I personally enjoy it opens up, you know, hopefully it clears you of any sinuses in this time of the year. So the chrein has a medicinal purpose, a benefit, but without having chrein, you can at least have the beats. And perhaps it's to ensure that your family's got a good beat and the music and singing nicely at your Rosh Hashanah table. But also the Hebrew word for beets, we know, is selek. 
So here you go. You got another pun because selek also means to disappear, right? Or you heard of someone was mistalek. So selek means to disappear. And again, it's the idea that we want our enemies or our undesirable character traits to disappear, to stop holding us back from our personal spiritual development, growth, advancement, our achievements in life. So there you got it. You got beats, which is selek. And hopefully you got more beat and less beats. So that's another good one. Other people like to have dates, besides for being one of the seven kinds from the land of Israel. The Hebrew date, Hebrew word for date, and this is perhaps, some people perhaps have a prayer that if they're struggling with their shidduch, they should get a good date. And I'm sure it's a good omen for a nice date. But the Hebrew word we know is tamar, which again, you got a little bit of a, a partial pun on the word for consumed, which is tam. Hebrew word tam means consumed. So again, those who hate us, those who cause us trouble or the negative elements in our own lives should yitamu, should disappear, like the word tamar, which means date. So we relate the word to each other. There are a couple others, and I'll share with them with you right when we're back from the market. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 High FM. And welcome back. We're nearly back from the marketplace. We got an important message, though, from Prudential Investment Managers just for you. A strong community is one of life's greatest assets. When considering your financial assets, always look for a manager who could actually deliver consistently. As you and your family enter the new year, all of us at Prudential Investment Managers wish you good health, financial security, and peace of mind. Contact Prudential Investment Managers via their website, prudential.co.za, and consistency is the only currency that actually matters. And indeed, now we are back. And some of the messages coming through of important symbolisms of Rosh Hashanah. Well, we spoke here about Prudential, and no doubt that certainly relates to your ra- lettuce, raisins, and celery that will certainly help you get a raise in your salary or at least in your own personal financial portfolio. And that's perhaps why people have pomegranates. The pomegranate's filled with lots of seeds and we want our bank account, we want our good deeds, we want our mitzvahs to be as plentiful as the pomegranate is got. Lots and lots and lots of seeds, lots of merits, on our behalf. Some of the other famous ones are fish. We spoke before about fish head. And another one would be having fish at your Seder table, at your Rosh Hashanah table, is having fish or fish head. And the idea is, firstly, if you look at the blessing that we give to our children, coming from Yaakov, Yaakov blessed his grandchildren, and he said to them, the Yidgu Larov Bekerev Haaretz, they should multiply like fish. So there we know that the fish increase, that it's not even noticeable. And of course, we don't see it because it's deep in the water. And likewise, we pray that whatever blessings and merits we do accrue, it shouldn't be a target of those who want to tear us away. And there's other symbolisms when you come to the tashlich that are related to the fish. And perhaps you could talk more about that soon. 
Others I've seen have a head of a ram or a head of a sheep. And of course, perhaps that reminds one of the Akedah, the binding of Isaac that happened in Rosh Hashanah, which is the Torah reading of Rosh Hashanah as well. And one of the blessings that the Torah assures the Jewish people in return for our faithfulness to God Almighty is that we will be Lerosh Velo Lezanav, that we should be for a head and not a tail. So we all want to try to be spiritually ahead and in whatever ways we can to be like the head. And as Jewish people, no doubt, we have many Jews who are captains of industry, but in our own sphere of influence, in our own circles, whether it's family or friends or at work, take that leadership role as it says in Pirkei Avot, in a place where there is no person. You stand up, you be the person, you be the leader. So there's lots of symbolism there. We talked about the head of the ram, which of course reminds one of the Akedah, the binding of Isaac. Now, the shofar, one of the symbolisms of it is to perhaps evoke the memory of the sacrifice, the risk that our ancestors, Avram and Yitzchak, were willing to make for God. We remind God of that, even if we ourselves are not meritorious, deserving of the privileges that we ask God for on this special festival, we should at least get it in their merit as well. There are other symbolisms, as we said on about the shofar. And one of them that the Talmud tells us is that the shofar is an alarm clock. It's a wake-up call. As it says, Wake up, you sleepy heads from your slumber. So, the mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah in fact, it's called Yom Teruah. It's a day of blowing the shofar. It's a very different type of noise to be made on a new year. I've spent, I've been many a new year at Times Square with a dropping of the ball. And there's lots of noise and confetti and excitement there, but this is quite different. And we know that as a wake up call, the shofar is teaching us a very, a very important message because it's about shocking us out of our apathy, out of a state of lethargic sleep that we oftentimes get into. Perhaps let's call it complacency. And it's to say, wake up, do something. It's time for sincere, real, genuine introspection, change, repentance. My congregants have heard this enough times, but I don't know if I've ever shared it here on Chai FM. Our shul will be celebrating six years now at its Location, the Santon Central Shul. By the way, there's no business like shul business. And I'd like to publicly invite anyone who doesn't have a shul to go to this Yamtiv. We don't charge for our seats. We have an explanatory service with both English interest and interest first throughout the prayers. We have a very lively and engaging, inclusive community. And I just want to invite you, if you are not a member of a shul, we're not trying to poach anyone away from any shuls. But I know there are people who tune into Chai FM who aren't necessarily members at a shul. So please feel free to join us. You don't need a ticket to come in. You just need to come be at the shul. Join us. A Rosh Hashanah evening. We're going to have Shana Tova sundowners, cocktails, and snacks on Sunday evening to usher in the new year or perhaps to give you a chance to say a bracha at the conclusion of this year. And then... 
And on both mornings, we start at 8.30 in the morning. So if you don't belong to another shul, please feel free to join us at Santon Central Shul, which is 8 Stella Street across the Chow Train. And I assure you that, please God, you will experience a meaningful, uplifting, inspirational. And may I say, if this voice will be a little bit rectified between now and Yom Tev, a melodious, uplifting, uplift, you know, spiritual davening. And again, you don't need a membership. You don't need to be affiliated. Just come. You'll experience a nice traditional service. And please God, the drushes will be of contemporary important messages that I have no doubt you'll enjoy. By the way, kids are welcome too. We will have a fabulous, exciting children's program. And for everyone, we hope to offer a warm, friendly atmosphere. And one other thing is we are fixing the ramp at the entrance of the show right now as we speak. So there'll be easy wheelchair access. So feel free to come join us. Just wanted to let you know about that. This is the idea is that sometimes we need that wake-up call, which is what the chauffeur does. Oh, I was going to tell you, when we bought the building six years ago, thanks to Nadia and Francis Kirsch for buying us this little, cute, quaint building. It's the oldest building in Santon. That's another reason worthwhile to see it, built in 1925. And we had to repaint the the structure of the building because it was looking a little old, you know? It's... uh it's nearly a century old, this building. So we got a fellow, he was repainting it for us, and then came the Sukkot rains. You know, on Sukkot we pray to God for rain, and all of a sudden it came pouring down, and boy, was it such powerful a plunge, or maybe like a mobble. But unfortunately, the paint job started to come off, it was wearing off, and we were quite disappointed. I called up the painter right after Shabbos, <laughs> I said to him, you know, what's the matter? What happened? How did, how did this happen? You know, we paid you to paint the building. Why is it coming off? And he wasn't a Jewish fellow. He thought that it's still a church. He's, he started confessing to me and he, he says he wants to repent because he did something very wrong. He, he watered, he thinned down the paints. He, he felt so guilty and terrible. And he started calling me father and all these nice, funny terms. I said to him, you know, sorry, uh, you don't have to, confess. Judaism confession is not such a big deal, but what I do recommend is to repaint, repaint, and never thin again. Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Welcome back, and we're going to have to wrap it up in a couple of minutes, so Repaint, repaint, and everything again. That is a very common theme of this time of the year. But it's not just about repentance, because the Shiva means to really return to who you truly are. And when we sound the shofar, it's a wake-up call. It's a reminder to us that we got to do that. we got to take some time now to take stock of our past year, to reflect, and to try to improve. Now, i got to tell you, Jewish confession is something we encountered in last week's Torah portion. And it is very different from the idea of other confessions that exist out there. You know that in last week's portion we read about the confession one makes when they bring their tithe. It's called Vidoy Meiser. In ancient times when one came to the temple and one offered their tithes, they would actually say a confession saying, 
we, we have done the right thing, we've done it well, we've done all the things that the Torah instructs us to. Indeed, from a Jewish perspective, confession is not just about recognizing what we've done wrong, our flaws, our shortcomings, but rather confession is something about, hey, I'm good and I know it. And I recognize it and I acknowledge it. And it's important to do that. You are fantastic. Have you ever heard Ian Fanimini's version of that song? You are fantastic. Look into the mirror and say, you are fantastic. You got to look into the mirror sometimes of life and say to yourself, give yourself a high five, pat yourself on the back. I am fantastic. Recognize where you're good. And at the same time, don't be delusional to just convince yourself that you're superb that you're perfect unfortunately i do too many funerals and at the funeral prayers during the ceremony one of the passages we read is ein adam ein tzadik there is no righteous person who does only good and never sins we recognize both the good the bad and the ugly and the better because as good as we are we could always improve and obviously, by recognizing our shortcomings, hopefully they will serve as a springboard for us to improve. And that's why, according to Jewish tradition, our sins actually can be completely expunged. Yes, if we do the right teshuva, God will completely delete. As if they never existed, not only are they expunged, but even better yet, God says, I will turn them into merits. How does a sin become a merit? Very simple. If you've learned to grow from whatever flaw, setback, shortcoming you've had, then it becomes a springboard for better growth. Then those challenges should not be an obstacle for personal development, but rather become a window of opportunity for personal growth. And that's a very powerful idea. Let me conclude by telling you one more of the symbolisms of the shofar, which is about coronating God as king. And with that, many have a question. If Rosh Hashanah's coronation day. If it's a day that we are, we are recognizing God as our king. And how do we recognize God as our king? By submitting to the will of Hashem. So we accept God as our king. And obviously this requires some personal subordination, a pledge of allegiance to Hashem. The question that the Hasidic masters ask, if that's the case, why are our prayers fraught with all types of personal requests? Why are we asking God's God Almighty for health and for success in our business matters? Shouldn't it be a day of focus on loftier things and something more spiritual? Why are we asking God for our personal matters? You know, like We ask God to inscribe us in the book of life, of blessings, of peace, of prosperity, of health, of wealth, of all those personal things. Why would you do that if Rosh Hashanah is a time to be focused more on spirituality? And the answer is that we know what was the purpose of the world's existence. To tell you the truth, today, the 26th of Elul actually commemorates the second day of creation. To be, what is it? 5,779 years ago. So hold on a second. Shouldn't it have been Rosh Hashanah yesterday? No. Rosh Hashanah is on the sixth day of creation. Rosh Hashanah celebrates not just the birthday of the world, Hayom Harat Olam, but the birthday for the entire purpose of the world's creation. Why was the world created? For what came on the seventh, on the sixth day. What came on the sixth day? Man. You and I, us human beings, we are the purpose for why God created this world. 
So yes, the first day of creation is quite impressive. God made everything ex nihilo, something from nothing. That's very impressive. And all six days of creation are there. If we, I mean, what would our world look like if we didn't have those six days of creation? But it's the sixth day, the day that we celebrate Rosh Hashanah, that is the most important. It's the day that we celebrate our existence in the world. So yes, indeed, it's important for God to create the heaven and earth and the seas and the animals and the trees and everything else in our ecosystem and in the galaxies and all the planets. Everything is important indeed. But you are the most important. You are indispensable to God's plan for this world. And indeed, there would be no purpose of the world's existence if you were not created. To God, those first five days of creation actually have no independent value on their own because God wants you here in this world. You, only the human being, is created in God's image. So you and I have the opportunity every day. When you're making money, don't feel bad. When you're eating food, don't feel bad. When you are doing mundane daily tasks and activities, guess what? By utilizing the energy you gain from that food, by using the money you earn at work for a better purpose, for making the world a better place, for giving your children an education. When you go to the gym, you work out, you exercise, and you are thereby stronger. All these things are fulfilling the mandate, the purpose for why God put us here in this world. So don't feel bad when you do those things. On the contrary, you're doing a mitzvah, and you are fulfilling the purpose of why this world exists. Because without man, the world really truly doesn't exist. And the sixth day of creation is the ultimate purpose for the world's existence. And that's why our prayers indeed are filled with personal requests. We ask God for all these things that will help us fulfill our mission, our purpose for why we're here in this world. So my dear friends, I'm going to wish you a wonderful Yom Tov. It should be a good and sweet Yom Tov. We all want a good sweet year. We know everything God does is good, but we also want it to be palatably sweet. We need to feel the sweetness. You know what comes from a bee? Besides for honey, a sting. But as we've said today, if you could seize the opportunities, when you face a sting, a challenge, an obstacle in your life, and see it as a springboard for personal growth and development, then indeed, you won't just see a sting, but rather, you'll see the sting as the honey that really comes from the bee. My dear friends, I wish you a meaningful and purposeful Rosh Hashanah. Seize every moment you have until... The end of 5778, only three days left. Carpe diem. And stay tuned for fresh thinking up next, right after the news. Chag Sameach, Shana Tova, and Shabbat Shalom.